we are going to get started with this message on determining the future of your family. You know, I don't want to over-dramatize it, but the words that we speak and the relationships that we have with our family, they really determine whether our family is going to be healthy going into the future or whether we're going to be broken and messed up and relationships are going to be damaged. We want to do everything we can to promote healthy relationships in, their in our families, and that's what this message is about. So I invite you to join me as we pray to the Lord. Dear God, we thank you for our families. We thank you for this day of worship. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, in this COVID lockdown, please help us all to stay healthy and safe and hopeful as we begin to come out of this now. Father, we ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can know you better, so that we can fulfill the good plans you have for each one of us. Help each person to get something beneficial from today's message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna to go to a scripture real quick because the scripture says a lot about uh, how to deal with conflict. It says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Now, if you say a hot person, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, one of the questions I would say is, as you look around your family, who would be the likely person to fit that bill? Who is the hot-tempered person? And if you get all defensive and you say, hey, what are you talking about? Chances are, it just might be you. So you gotta watch out for that. We don't want to be the hot-tempered person. We wanna be the person who's a peacemaker, right? So let's don't be the one that stirs up conflict in the first place. The scripture we're gonna to go to today for that is the book of James, James chapter four. It has so much wisdom from James, the half-brother of Jesus, who became the leader in the early church in Jerusalem. And he had so much to say about the use of our speech, the use of our tongue. He's talking about it right here in chapter four in the negative. And he says this, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. Oh man, what happens when you don't get what you want? Can you be patient about it? Can you pray to the Lord? Can you put it in God's hands? Or are you just gonna go on the rampage and start demanding left and right that everybody do everything you want them to do, including in your own home? We gotta watch out for that. Don't they come, these fights and quarrels, from the desires that battle within you? You desire and do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Boy, there's a, a great scripture for us right there. We need to ask God first. James says it right there in chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without finding fault. Let's go to God first when we have a problem and a need. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your desires. You know, we're, we're at home more with our family members than we ever have been before. We, sometimes we're arguing about what we're gonna watch on TV, what we're gonna eat, Sometimes we're trying to work from home and another family comes in and they, and they start making noise or doing something else and you're like, hey, don't you know there's somebody trying to get some work done here? 
you know, and you're you're getting upset, and the 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 anxiousness, the anger starting to build. Where do we go? You know, where do we go with this? I have the desire to get this thing done. What do I do with the desires? Do I have to have things my way all the time? And the answer is no. So when it comes to arguments and conflict in our families and our relationships, why is it that we can't check our ego at the door? Why is it that we have to get what we want when we want it? Why can't we just say, it's okay, you know, let's talk about this and maybe we can do what you want instead. Why, does, why can't that just be okay in our relationships? It's because our selfish desires get in the way. We have to have what we want when we want it. But here's the thing. Are you willing to kill a relationship just to get what you want in that moment? Because that's what's on the line. When we talk about determining the future of your family, the future of your family could be resting on this argument right now, on the words that you say that you cannot take back. So you have to check your ego at the door. Look what it says in this Proverbs here. This is some great wisdom. It says, it is to one's honor to avoid strife. Have you ever thought about being a peacemaker and avoiding strife as being an honorable thing to do? Of just walking away from a conflict instead of amping it up and bringing gasoline to the fire and torching that thing? But it says this, every fool is quick to quarrel. The book of wisdom in the Old Testament talks about wisdom and foolishness. And the fool in Proverbs is always the person who's hot-tempered, always the person who's quick to fight, quick to quarrel. The wise person is the one who makes peace. Are you gonna be that kind of person? I wanna be that kind of person. Let's go on to uh, organizations because I was reading an article and they were talking about organizations and top three causes of conflict when it comes to businesses. And the same um, conflicts that we have in business we can also find in our family relationships. Number one, there's misunderstandings. What I heard you say is not necessarily what you intended to mean. And sometimes you're in a relationship and the other person hears you say something and they take it the wrong way, according to you. And, and now you've got this conflict. So misunderstandings are bad. Poor planning is bad. You know, I love it. I, I used to go into the office of our accountant in the other church, and I used to walk into her office. Her name was Robin. She's a great lady. And she had this sign on her office desk, and she says, poor planning on your part does not create a crisis on my part. So sometimes, you know, we ask other people to fix stuff that we create this problem. We get into a mess, and, and then we want them to jump and help us fix it. And they're not always ready to do that. And then the third cause for conflict is poor communication. Just saying it the wrong way. Maybe speaking the truth, but not speaking the truth in love. And that's the key to good relationships. That's the key to good communication. So in a conflict, what would be a good goal? You know, if you think about, if we're gonna have a, a heated argument or we're gonna have a, a deep discussion about something where we don't agree on something, what would be a good goal? What would be a good outcome for that? Well, number one, it would be to grow to understand your loved one better. Ah, 
I'm walking a mile in their shoes. I'm now understanding why they feel so strongly about something where I didn't even see it before. So growing to know your loved one better and then finding common ground and mutual respect. Finding common ground is so big. It's like you have your viewpoint and the other person has their viewpoint and you say, okay, so we're not like black and white. I mean, there's some shades here. We, we can come to common ground and come to understand that. Let's try to find that in the middle of a conflict. James talks about these causes of the conflict right there in chapter four. The first one is he refers to deep insecurity. He's talking about in verse one, he says, what causes files? Fights? What causes fights and quarrels among you? He says, it's the evil desires that battle within you. You have this inner divisiveness. Sometimes you don't even know what you want. You, you want this and you want that and you want, you, you're trying to balance out all the things that you're trying to figure out. You're being pushed back and forth between your conscience. Your conscience is telling you to do the right thing. And then you've got these evil desires over here. Who's going to win the battle? Say, that's where you stop and you pray and say, God, please give me direction. Please give me wisdom here. So we have this deep insecurity. Then we have these unmet wants. Everybody in our lives has unmet wants. We wake, we wake up today hungry and thirsty and we need to, to find income and, and safety for ourselves and for our family. There, we have all kinds of wants. But what do we do? What are we willing to do to get what we want? And who are we willing to push aside and, and harm and, and break in order to get what we want in those selfish desires, those unmet wants? We need to check those unmet wants. How we scheme sometimes. And I love that word scheme because scheme is like devising a strategy. Scheming is where our evil desires say, okay, this is the evil desire you have. Now I'm going to help you figure out how to get what you want. And the enemy of our soul, Satan, is right there trying to help us devise strategies. We, we open with slander. Instead of uh, saying, here is my need or here is what I want, we go on the attack. We just start belittling the other person, cutting them down. Those are those conversations that you cannot take back. Those are those arrows that you shoot at the other person's heart and they wound and you cannot take them back. So try not to say them in the first place. Try to avoid slander. Remember in a conflict, you know, especially husband and wife, stand there side by side. You know, the husband is here and the wife is there and the conflict or the problem is right in front of you. And you say, you know what? Together, we're going to face this problem and we're going to solve this problem. But don't do the thing where the husband turns to the wife and the wife turns to the, pro to the problem. Instead of saying, here's a problem we need to solve, you're looking at them saying, you know what? You're the problem. That's where you, you delve into slander, you slide into that, the evil schemes, and we don't want to do that. You're asking the wrong source, you're not looking to God, you're trying to get your own needs met, and you're seeking them selfishly. Two things conflict is not. When you come out of a conflict, and, and this is where my sport, I'll just be honest with you, this is where my sports gets me in trouble. Because sports is all about competition. Sports is all about, you know, you're given the best you can to perform the best you can so that at the end of the match, you win the match. There's a winner and there's a loser. You know, tie, if there's a tie, then let's just go into overtime and figure out who the winner is, right? So 
The same thing, it, it transfers over to relationships sometimes. And sometimes you have a conflict and you say, well, the goal of this conflict is to figure out who's going to win at the end. The goal of a conflict in a, in a relationship of love is to not to try to find a clear winner, it's to try to come to mutual understanding and try to find common ground. It's not to referee whose version of past events is most accurate. You ever done that in an argument? You start bringing up the past and they say, well, in this situation, you did this. And you say, no, that's not the way it was at all. I didn't do it. And now you're arguing over the interpretation of past events, not being willing to own up to your own faults, your own mistakes, your own errors. And you get defensive and then you go back on the offensive and you turn back it into slander. And pretty soon the relationship is just going south and you don't want that. I came across a great article this week in my research and the title of it really intrigued me. The titles of it is right there on the screen. It says, the only person you need is not your spouse. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. We talk about, you know, being sort of a half person and you meet your, your soulmate and they fulfill you and you fulfill them. They make you whole and you try to make them whole. I mean, what are they saying the, the, that the only person you need is not your spouse? What do they mean by that? There's some great wisdom in this article and I want to read just a portion of it to you. He, the, the author says, if we get this backwards, then our pursuit of joy and our desire to be known and unconditionally loved will be primarily directed at each other, at your spouse, at your partner. And all that's going to do is set up your marriages for frustration, for disappointment and hurt when, quote, your needs and your desires fail to be met. Wow, there's great wisdom there. He says you will actually enjoy your spouse more when you're not looking to them to be everything you need or demanding they change to become who you want them to be and then resenting them when they don't change. Wow. The truth is there will always be something that you desire to change about your spouse. There will always be things that they desire to change about you. But here's the key. God's wisdom. When you look to Christ and let him be the one to satisfy your desires, then you will place fewer unrealistic expectations on each other and you will end up enjoying one another more deeply. Wow. So you go back to the truth of it. The only person that you really need mostly is God. The only person you can change in a relationship is yourself. So really when it comes to be a whole person, the only person that we really need to make us whole is God himself. That's the person we're looking. He's the one who fills us with his love. He's the one who gives us his forgiveness and his unconditional love and his grace and his mercy. And we are complete in him. And then when we are whole and complete in Christ, then we become the kind of person that our spouse needs. Then we become the kind of parent or grandparent that our kids and our grandkids need us to be. God is the one who makes us whole. Is God making you whole in your life yet? I sure hope that he is. Let's go on to our next article. Conflict resolution. What is the good goal 
A good goal, it's not just to try to win the fight. It's not try to dredge up the past and see who was right or wrong in their version of the past. It is to be able to articulate your wants. It is to be able to say, this is what I want or need in this relationship, but in such a way that you're not attacking the other person. You're articulating your wants without attacking the other person. Now that is an art and it's easier said than done, but that is what God is calling us to do. So here are five questions that I want you to think about and ask before you're ready to get into a fight. Before you, and I don't mean physically, you know what I'm talking about, an argument, a disagreement, a deep discussion that you need to have. Five questions that you need to ask yourself. The first question is this, what do they really want? That goes back to empathy, trying to walk a mile in their shoes, figuring out what is so important to them and how can I understand what they really wanted and what is, why this is so significant that they're, they're, that they're getting so upset about this, right? What do they really want? Question number two, what do I really want, right? Instead of going on the attack on the other person, just to try to articulate what you really want in this relationship. Number three, what will happen? You know, what will happen if you give that person what they really want? Is the world gonna come to an end? Are you just gonna shrink into a hole and become a nobody? You think you're gonna become a doormat for the rest of your life? That's how sometimes we feel like that. Oh, if I give in to this one, they're just gonna walk all over me. No, they're not because you're gonna be submitted to God and you're gonna have boundaries and you're gonna say these, I'm standing tall and I'm a person worthy of love and respect and you're gonna command that. You know, you're not gonna shrink into nothingness. If you give them what they want, ask yourselves a couple of questions. What they want, biblical? Is it okay? Is it legal? Is it, it it's not harming themselves or other, uh, or other people, right? Is it biblical? Is it practical? Is that okay? The world is not gonna to come to an end if you give that other person what they want. Question number four in, in what you can ask is this, should I be looking to God for this one? Just like we said in the article, right? The person you need most in your life is not your spouse, right? The person you need most in your life is God. So let God be the person to fulfill your, your wants and your desires, right? And get your wholeness from Him first. Number five, and, and this is a question for anybody who, who ends up getting heated, who ends up losing their temper, who ends up you know, getting animated and saying these words that just come out like swords, like thrusting swords to the other person. Am I tempted to create drama and burn bridges by using damaging words? Sometimes the best thing you can do in a conflict is you just need to calm down, take a deep breath, if you are still so worked up that you can't find a way to speak the truth in love, you say, you know what? I need to take a break right now because I'm getting too upset and I don't wanna say something that I'm gonna regret and you're gonna regret and this relationship is gonna be damaged. So let's just take a break, find your, find your peace, go to God, come to him in prayer and then come back and be able to speak the truth in love. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 18. The tongue has the power of life and death that's how important it is. The book of wisdom tells us this. The tongue has the power of life and death, so your words really matter. Those who love it, those who use words of life, are going to love the use of the tongue, and they love it will eat its fruit. There's another proverb that says this. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Boy, I want to be one of those wise persons, don't you? Don't you want to be one of those persons who, when you speak, the wisdom from God is coming out of your lips. You've spent time with God. You're growing in your relationship with Him so that when you say these words, you're know, you know that they're biblical, they're practical, they're helpful, they're speaking the truth in love. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Bottom line is this. Man, having good relationships, they're easy to talk about, they're really hard to do. Why? Because we have these wants and our desires. We try to get what we want. We're tempted by the enemy to scheme and, and slander and belittle the other person and be demanding and be hurtful and get, and get all worked up so that we can try to win this argument. We don't want to go down that road. We want to practice this scripture right here. This is a, such a great scripture for relationships. Be kind and compassionate to one another tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. You know, the people that have great relationships are the ones who start with knowing, say, I can have a great relationship with you because Christ has a great relationship with me. He has forgiven me. He has shown me his love and mercy. And he says, now that I've done that for you, Jim, I want you to pass it on to everybody else so I can be tender-hearted and kind and compassionate. I can forgive others when they wrong me. Just like it says in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We do that because in Christ, God has forgiven you. If you do this, friends, your relationships are gonna grow. And when you talk about determining the future of your family, your family is going to have a great and bright future. And it's not just going to be for today. It's going to echo down for years and years. It's going to echo down to your children. It's going to echo down and bless your grandchildren for generations to come. I want to talk about these words of Jesus as we wrap it up today. Jesus says these words. Very truly I tell you, he says, and that when he says that, he says, look, I'm serious and I want you to tune in to what I'm saying. So tune in to what Jesus is saying because his words are life. He says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Why? Because if you hear Jesus' words and believe him, you will have crossed over from death to life. Have you done that? Have you heard Jesus' words in your life and you say, Jesus, you are the savior of the world. I believe in you and I'm trusting in you and I'm taking your words to heart and I'm gonna to try to live a life that imitates you as my savior and the leader of your life. Have you made that decision yet? Because look what it says in verse 26, verse 25. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. That's Jesus. The dead, every one of us is destined to die. And after that comes judgment. So after you die, Jesus is going to be one of two persons in your life. He's either going to be your Savior or he's going to be your judge. Because God has made Jesus the judge of all the living and all the dead. And he says, he says those who hear the voice of the Son of God they are going to rise and they're going to live. 
I hope that's going to be you. I hope you've made that decision to follow Jesus in your life. If you haven't yet made that decision, I want to help you cross that line of faith today. So let's bow our heads now for a word of prayer. Dear God, I admit that when it comes to relationships, <laughs> when it comes to controlling my tongue, when it comes to speaking the truth in love and not slandering or not belittling, Lord, so often, so many times, I fall short. God, I need your help. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for living a life to show us what a human being is supposed to be like what a human being is supposed to say and do and live. Thank you for modeling the life that we are supposed to live as we imitate you. Lord, thank you most of all for laying down your life on the cross and dying to pay for all my sins. Lord, I, I accept your offer of forgiveness and eternal life. Lord, today I'm turning away from all my past and I'm embracing you as my Lord and Savior. Today, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me, to fill me with your Holy Spirit, to show me the path forward to live the kind of life that pleases you. Lord, help me to find the next steps. Help me to keep on going forward in this new relationship that I have with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for letting me be part of your forever family. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Friends, I hope that you made that prayer decision today. I hope that you want to keep on growing in your faith. Because if you want to keep on growing in your faith, the best way that I know to help you grow in your faith is to point you to the Bible, to the Word of God, the revelation that God has for us in our lives. And as you read the Bible, I want you to remember that these four maxims for how to get the most out of reading the Bible. First of all, you open up your Bible, you start reading it. Start in the Gospel of John or start in the Gospel of Mark. And as you open the Bible, you first of all pray it in. Just say, God, open my eyes as I'm reading your word today. Help me to see who you are. Read it through. God's word says it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, right? So pray it in, read it through, live it out. Say, God, is there anything that I'm reading today that you want me to live out? Is there anything you want me to start doing or stop doing? And then finally, pass it on. You know, the greatest thing we can do with our family members and our friends is to tell them some, some of the exciting things that we're learning as we're reading God's word and, and learning who Jesus is. You know, the Christian faith, it's meant to spread. It's meant to share with other people. So pass it on to other people in your life. God bless you as you live this new life in Christ.